0: Oh, now they need to see my birth certificate. Hmm, Honey, where do we keep the birth certificates? Why? Buying socks?
1: Socks.
2: I'll check upstairs.
0: It's easy to be unsafe online. You're the best. Now it's easy to help protect yourself. Norton 360 with LifeLock gives you device security, a VPN for online privacy, and identity theft protection. All in one. Opt in to cyber safety. Save 25 percent or more off your first year at Norton.com slash news.
3: Well, hello, everyone. This is part one of three episodes from the conservative political action conference, better known as CPAC. And we got a lot of interviews to get to in the next three days. So without further ado, let's get this started. again to another episode of trend chat i'm your host brian bledsoe and if you want to connect with us whether on facebook instagram or twitter it's all the same name trend chat 24 7 and if you want to I guess read some of my articles from Politics, let's go to politicscom slash author slash brian bledsoe and don't forget about the book Politics, A clearing call to political activism which is available on amazon and barnes and noble which contains over 300 pages from contributors like myself talking about education, healthcare, general political issues, etc. And as i mentioned numerous times, I not only want you to get one copy, get five copies. Just you know, pass them around to people on the street. You know, we we'll appreciate it. <laughs> and um, like I said, it it has my article about becoming a delegate, national delegate at the republican national convention in 2016 amongst others like i said it's 300 pages so i i have my contribution but there are plenty of contributions and uh, from other contributors so go out and pick that up today so (laughs) now like i said we don't have a lot of time for me to talk about (laughs) everything that happened at the conservative political action conference which i will Refer as CPAC from now on. I just want to tell you exactly what CPAC means. But uh, this is, well, this is my third time attending. Uh, Second time recording, well, participating as media, the quote unquote media. And uh, the first time was uh, I was just a regular attendee, which is another article I wrote for PolitiChicks. Actually, that was my first article was about, attending CPAC 2016 um, to to be at CPAC for the first time. And so you can check that out at com slash author slash Brian Bledsoe. But I had a good time. Unfortunately, I did not see a lot of, um, of the conference because I was mostly outside conducting interviews or waiting to, <laughs> to do an interview with someone, or waiting to ask someone to do an interview. So, if you saw any of the posts that I, especially on Facebook, um I will share the um, the live stream of the conference. So, if you're watching that, you probably saw more than I did. I was in there for President Trump's speech, and pretty much everything. The last couple of sessions on saturday at the end um i saw i was there for the straw poll results and a couple of like there was a a couple of panels and there there as well so but most of it i was out and which if i do go back next year i think i might change that to where i might have longer interviews but fewer interviews and maybe try to be inside more and i don't know like that's (laughs) that's a year from now, and I'm still debating. I don't know if I'm going to be able to go next year or not, but like I said, that's a long ways from now. But I'm just, I'm already still thinking about what, how would I do the interviews better? Because if, when you listen to these interviews, for one, I know last year when I did it for the first time, everything was very general because I had like a list of questions that I was going to ask everybody the same question. This year I wanted to more to to specify the questions towards the person i was talking to instead of just asking general cpac questions i think i did better on that this year and next year I, you know on top of just conducting interviews with with people that you're going to hear in the next three days i also was going around seeing other people at these other media outlets that were interviewing others and you know because for me all this is new for me i'm just just going on my own and kind of learning on my on my own on everything so i'm just kind of seeing how people are doing doing their interviews because the people i'm talking to were doing interviews themselves with you know with higher bigger names than i could ever try to get on the on the podcast at least right now but i would ask them after our interview you know what do you think and you know so i just asked them what their what their you know thoughts of me of, of me and me asking the questions of them so anyway like i said we, we don't really have much, <laughs> much time to talk so let me go ahead and get to the our uh, first interview our first interview is with nate madden with crtv um we talked to a number of people at crtv and i think it's a great channel it's um you can learn more about it on you know well it's basically conservative reviewed television and it's available online and you can it's a a, um you can get a subscription but let me not say too much more because the people i'm going to talk about going to talk a lot more about crtv a lot more eloquently 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 there you go to get it right Brian. (laughs) than i am you know obviously you just heard that so anyway let's get to the interview with nate Hello, this is Trent Chat, and we are pleased to have Nate Madden with us with CRTV. He does a great show called the Capitol Hill Brief, and just want to talk to him a little bit more about the show. So how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? So, yeah, so tell us everything about the Capitol Hill Brief, and um, just a little overview, I guess. So the Capitol Hill Brief, we take Capitol Hill
4: News, and we basically, we just break it down. We go through all the really wonky, swampy policy and legislative language to get down to the meat of what is going on on capitol hill and how it affects real folks living out in the real world outside of this fantasy land they call washington dc and that, that's the long and the short of it we talk to members of congress we we break down bills we talk about whatever's trending in any given week and we just we put it up on crtv and hope y'all enjoy it
3: well first thing i'm thinking about is um the whole budget deal so oh, man. i guess give us some reporting on that <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like,
4: <lying. laughs> what do you, I mean, good grief. I mean, that was, that, uh, so I've got, if you really want to get the skinny on what exactly went down with that entire budget deal, you can go on the website and check out the interview that I did with uh, Congressman Thomas Massey. And he lays out just the the storyline there. You know, you had a situation where the House, they, they passed defense funding and they had, a, they had a responsible domestic funding going on. And then you turn around to the Senate, and they, they did the same thing they do every single time. They bake this cake behind closed doors, they bring it out, and they tell everybody they got to eat it, you know? <laughs> it's like, okay, so we've got to blow out the, the debt ceiling for a year, we've got to suspend this, you to know, blow out the spending caps, you know, add 13% uh, of the to the federal government spending, uh, just, just to make sure that we, you know, we're not shorting the troops. And of course, leadership comes out, as they do, and they say, oh, well, if, if you're not in favor of blowing out the... If you're not in favor of blowing out the debt and you know spending a bunch of of the, of other people's money, then uh, you you're not really supporting the military. You're cutting our national defense short. And if you go to the go to the interview that I did with Thomas Massey, he just basically <laughs> looks me straight in the face and says "poppycock" <laughs> in a very Thomas Massey way.
3: <laughs> no, it's funny because um, I mentioned before when I talked to um, someone else about this is where kind of like what you mentioned as far as baking the cake and where you have all these different. You know all these different little bills put into one huge bill to basically make it make a representative think that or or a congressman or whatever have to basically choose between maybe uh, a lot of good things and a, a whole lot of bad things as well
4: and that that's a kind way of putting it. I mean really, what the strategy <laughs> is when leadership does this sort of stuff is they they take all these different little things and they yeah they have some pot sweeteners in there to get this caucus and that caucus on board. But what they do is they roll out a one size fits all thing. They closed the process, so, you know, you can't add amendments, you know, you, you you can't, you know, bring in this thing or you take this out, you know, no. This is the one thing that we're going to put on the floor, and I dare you not to vote for it. That is that is what we see time and time again. It's what we saw repeatedly with health care. It's really more or less what we ended up sawing with what what you know, that freewheeling debate in the Senate on immigration. No, we came out, they came out with four bills. We're going to vote on these. They all failed, but it's the same thing over and over again, you, you know. You've got Ryan, who's trying to keep everything together in the House and who, does, who uses this process. And then you've got Mitch McConnell, who just will not release any of his control over the process in the Senate. I mean, he's notorious among staffers and media, just a, a tremendous control freak when it comes to actually passing bills. And half his strategy is just, you know, lead them straight into a box canyon and see if they can fight their way out of it.
3: Mm. it makes me think about, um, I guess, one in particular is um, Senator Cruz where because he voted for it, you know, he got a whole lot of flack as far as for voting for the bill. But it kind of goes back to what I was saying about, the, you know, good things and bad things in the bill and kind of getting killed over it. Oh, of course, you can look at that. I mean, the main reason that,
4: that Cruz really couldn't, really couldn't move on that thing, if you look at it from, from an outside perspective, they, they also tacked on hurricane funding to it. And it's one of those situations where they say, "All right, this is this is how not just how you get national defense, this is how you get your hurricane funding." And they say that to, to Cruz and the Corn, and they say that to Texas delegation, in the House, you know, and to the Florida delegation. This is how you get money for everything that needs to go on for for the rebuilding effort. And we dare you not to pass it. And they know they know that he can't vote against that. They know that the, the folks who live in these hurricane ravage areas they can't vote against disaster spending because it'll kill them politically, and it also, I mean, it leads to extra suffering back home, just in general. And the but you, they would never consider that separately because they need that in order to get their massive budget bloat through.
3: It's one thing I was, wanted to ask you about as far as as far as, far as having these bills separated. Where you, can you have we had a time where we have issues like a single issue, a single bill on one thing, or is it always kind of like these convoluted bills? Uh,
4: I honestly cannot remember. You know, you know, I, I'm new to the politics game. I'm under thirty, but you know, I. I, I've never seen a real open process in either in either house, in either in either chamber on any sort of thing. You know, this this it's just not how things are done anymore. You know, anytime there's something massive that needs to be done, you know, yeah, there are sure. There are some little bills on the side that, you know, they get passed discreetly, no one ever talks about them that do these little you know, these little things to, to federal policy, right? But when it comes to the big stuff, when it comes to health care, when it comes to spending, when it comes to the military, when it comes to uh, immigration, it's always the same process over and over. We're going to put this all together. You can't change it. And I dare you not to vote for it. Period. And, you know, and, and half the reason for that is, yes, you have control freaks in leadership who don't want this thing getting out of their hands. They want to be able to control it. On the other hand, you've got to look at how much these guys are actually showing up to the office. And it's not, it's not because they're all just, you know, well, it's not because some of, some of them aren't lazy. Some of them really put in the work. But, you know, when you've got Mitch McConnell scheduling Senate sessions on an average of, I think the, I think, the current statistic is somewhere between 2.7 and 3 days a week. You know that, that that's the current average, according to the Conservative uh, Partnership Institute. But I had to double check my numbers on that. How do you expect to pass anything substantive? You know, yeah, you can have a bunch of little head pat bills that, that no one's really going to look at hard. You know, you know, really minor stuff. But for the big stuff, you can't do that three days a week in the in, in the chamber. You've actually got to put in the extra hours and let people debate, and they're, they're not doing that. Oh wow! They want to show they want to show up on Tuesday or Monday night. You know, go to work for three days, get out either Thursday afternoon or Friday morning, and be done with it.
3: Wow! It just—I definitely wanted, wanted to talk to you about it because I know, like I said, you talk about it was on CRTV, and so I'm—you know—I'm a subscriber, and I you know I think it's great, but I want you to tell everyone how great CRTV is and. How could they get it to do Well,
4: so first, thank you for helping pay my rent. You know, I got a baby (laughs) on the way and that really, that helps
3: things out,
4: you know, but uh, first off, I mean, CRTV is a great place to work for. I just got to say that I've been here for two years and it's just, it's a phenomenal team. And we just keep adding these really phenomenal voices to the roster. You know, of course we've got Levin TV. We've got Crowder. We've got, you know, we've got Andrew Wilkow. Now we've added uh, Ali Stuckey, the conservative millennial. We've got the roaming millennial. And then it it just keeps adding on and it, it, but you know, if if you want to figure out how to get on uh, and sign up, just go to crtv.com. You'll see the you'll see the links to sign up. You can get it on there. But what I really want you to do is go on there and use the code CHB to get ten dollars off your subscription.
3: Okay. All right. And um, how to get in touch with you on social media?
4: Uh, yeah. So I'm at uh, Nate Madden crtv on Twitter, and uh, just look for the Capitol Hill Briefs fa- Facebook page. And you can see all of our episodes there. They're completely free in front of the paywall. All
3: right. Thanks so much for your
4: time. Thank you.
3: Yeah. But thanks to Nate for joining us and. Like I said, he definitely could speak more about CRTV than I, than I can mainly, you know, you can, you well, you can also use it on your phone, your tablet, across a lot of media devices and like, you're going to hear from others from CRTV. So I, for someone that is a subscriber and was a subscriber from day one, I'm really am enjoying it right now. Now. I was glad I was able to talk to a number of people as well as, um, Mark Levin. I, unfortunately I wasn't able to get an interview, but I did get a picture that everyone saw on Facebook. So that was cool. But I was glad to to actually see him face to face and tell them that how much I'm enjoying on CRTV. But like I said, thanks to Nate for joining us. And our next guest is with the MLK Association of Texas. Uh, if you don't know, Martin Luther King, um, and we've talked with Kelly Richard. And we talked with her about MLK Association, and here's our interview with her. So we are here with Kelly Richard with the MLK Association of Texas. How are you doing?
5: I'm fine, I'm fine. Great to be here.
3: So is, uh what well, first question, is this your first CPAC?
5: Yes, this is my first time in attendance. It's quite an experience.
3: How do you like it so far? I know it's only been like a couple of hours.
5: It is fabulous. It is fabulous. We had a productive meeting with Senator Ted Cruz when we first got here. Uh, got to meet him, uh, talk about some of the issues and concerns facing Texans. Um, we got to meet Mark Burns, who's running for Congress. Uh, awesome black conservative. It was great to see him.
3: I guess. In the time that you, like I said, a couple of hours you've been here, what are you kind of looking to accomplish, I mean, as far as meeting people and everything?
5: Just focused on networking, um, talking to people, seeing what we can do to help engage more of the youth, engage more of the minorities. Uh, So I definitely think uh, we can accomplish that here, definitely with the networking and seeing some new faces, getting ideas.
3: So tell us a little bit about MLK Association of Texas.
5: So MLK, um, our mission is to obliterate the glass ceiling and inequality of people of color. And we went on doing that by social, civic, and um, political engagement. So just focused on policy, you know, getting um, legislation passed, you know, uh, focused on minority outreach, anything to empower our communities. Um, we'll currently be discussing a nationwide mentor program for black youth, so anything that's uplifting and engaging our communities.
3: Okay, and for the whole state of Texas, um, like where are you, Like, I guess, headquartered? Mm-hmm.
5: So we are a Houston chapter, yes, and so from there we do uh, branch out in Texas.
3: Okay, and uh, you mentioned, I guess, kind of like a leadership uh, initiative. I mean, uh, you have any other like, programs that y'all are working on? Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, yes, so um, we do community outreach, so anything from um, going to churches, getting them involved in what we're doing, uh, from our, uh, starting our own mentorship program for young kids, getting them involved, and in reaching out to the schools and connecting with them uh, to get involved and be a helping hand.
3: Okay, so one, I guess, economic question I'm thinking about as far as um, tax cuts with uh, President Trump. Uh, How are you, I guess, seeing that play out so far in the black community?
5: Honestly, he has done what I've been preaching for years, uh, to be honest. I do feel... In order for us to thrive, in order for um, entrepreneurship to thrive, there has to be a decrease of regulations. Businesses cannot be smothered through taxation. Um, Everyone, when they think tax cuts, everyone thinks Walmart, Target, McDonald's. Not everybody is a big corporation at them. So these tax cuts, they're not only helping those at the top, but they're also helping mom-and-pop shops, small businesses, to be able to expand. I actually manage um, a small business in Humble, an escape room. And they have helped us dramatically. So, just our little small business, you know, we're able to uh, flourish, grow through um, conservative politics, deregulation, uh, cutting taxes. So, that's helpful to our communities.
3: Okay, well. You mentioned escape room. Now I'm kind of interested. So, well, I mean, I heard about them. Uh, tell me a little bit about that now.
5: They're really fun. So, an escape room. You are theoretically locked in a room. And uh, you have to work together as a team. with a group to solve puzzles and clues to escape. Uh, ours is in Umble, Escape in Houston. Uh, it's very immersive. So, we have everything from uh, Egyptian theme. You're going to feel like you're in an Egyptian tomb. Uh, we have a quarantine bio lab. You're going to feel the gore the grid you're going to feel like you're in the lab you know very immersive very cool fun puzzles
3: okay and yeah tell us details if people want to go to this
5: oh yeah. so um book online at escapinghouston.com. um it's very fun uh minimum of two people so it can be anything from a date night um to ten people group of family birthday party uh you can host it there work together solve the clue, solve the puzzle use thinking um hands-on physical tasks to try to escape the room.
3: Alright, and if everybody wants to get in contact with MLK on social media and websites. And-
5: yes, so our Facebook page is MLK Association of Houston. Uh, we also have one for the Texas page and our Twitter uh, MLK Houston. Look us up.
3: Alright, Keller, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Yep, yeah, but thanks, thanks for Keller for joining us and you know, it was, um. it just, in general, just kind of fun to come to CPAC a lot of times because for the most part, you're just, you get a chance to see people, you know, old friends pretty much once a year because a lot of times we may be in different parts of the country and we kind of all just meet together in, um, at CPAC and it's good to just hang out and just like with the with the MLK MOK association get a chance to meet with some of them and hang out and you know with everything that's going that is going on with the receptions I mean it could be a tiring you know deal when it comes to CPAC because there's a, like so much going on and, and you're also you know chilling with friends that you ha- that you normally only see once a year and as opposed to you know sometimes you still keep in contact throughout the year but just to be able to everybody be in one place so you know that's cool so Like I said, I appreciate Keller for joining us. And um, before we get to our next interview, let's hear from our friends with the Founding Project.
2: Hello, Trend Chat fans. The Founding Project invites you to experience our latest resource to take civics to citizens, TFP's new website. Visit us at www.thefoundingproject.com. Be a part of the civics movement with the Founding Project. The Founding Project is a 501c3 education nonprofit. Join us today.
3: Hello, this is Trent Chat, and we are here with the reporter with the Daily Signal, Kelsey Harkis. How are you doing?
6: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
3: Did I butcher your name?
6: Kelsey Harkness. I think you're pretty close. I'm not one to get easily offended.
3: <laughs> well, I just had to ask because I'm I'm kind of bad with names, so I always I just don't like to disrespect somebody's name. But, but um, like I mentioned, you're a reporter with Daily Signal, and also with a I guess you could say a website called Bright, and also you do, you do something called Problematic Women, which is something that I watch pretty much any time that it's on. So tell us about Problematic Women and about. Daily Signal and
6: Bright? I'll start with problematic women because there's a funny backstory behind that. I, in my work with the Daily Signal and the Federalist, I cover... um, the feminist movement and the conservative response to the feminist movement. And about a year ago I came across an article on Elle magazine that had the headline How do we criticize problematic women with a picture of Kellyanne Conway Ivanka Trump and Megyn Kelly. And I just thought that headline perfectly summarizes the way the left views conservative women. We are not worthy of debates and discussion with them. We are problems they look at as things that need to be fixed. And I think that is the first problem in our society today and why so often we're talking at each other rather than with each other. We certainly, both sides, um, both conservative women and liberal women, can and should admit we have differences of opinions when it comes to policy issues. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be able to discuss those policies. That doesn't mean that's just a problem that I need to fix and I'm not going to deal with unless I can do that. Um, and so we did a Facebook live show at the Daily Signal highlighting this article. I wrote about it for the Federalist and it kind of took off and we realized there's there's a theme here and there's something bigger. Um, and the bigger theme is that conservative women... Are problematic because the left, in order to be a part of the feminist movement, you have to subscribe to a very far-left ideology that includes, you know, embracing um, abortions without limits. Um, Pretty radical, if you look at the Women's March's agenda, Um, and. That's where we are today, so we, um, we decided to continue this, make it a weekly show. Um, and in the show, my co-host, Bree Payton, and I pretty much highlight all the hypocritical ideas and news stories that are coming out from quote-unquote feminists, which in a lot of ways are either ignoring conservative women, offending conservative women, or pretending that we don't exist.
3: I know one thing that's definitely been you know a hot topic in the past couple months is the Me Too movement. So I guess I want to ask you, I mean, how do you respond to that on top of the fact that sometimes that's kind of used as a weapon against conservatives?
6: That's a very good question. So I support the Me Too movement. I think it's clearly an important conversation we need to be having. If you look at polling of how many women have dealt with some kind of sexual harassment and abuse, it's it's a lot of us. It's over 50%. And so I do think this is a conversation that we need to have. But I say proceed with caution. And that's because we already have seen the Me Too movement conflate sexual harassment with assault. They often conflate injustices women face with actual inequalities women face. Let me give you an example there. An injustice might be getting catcalled on the street as an American woman. An inequality are the women in Africa and some Middle Eastern countries who are facing FGM. Those are real inequalities that I believe as feminists we should be fighting for. Um, and that's where I think we need to um, not just talk about me in the Me Too movement, but talk about us as women as internationally, think of our whole gender, which women really need help and support and how can we lift up them too, not just ourselves.
3: Speaking about I guess in women in Me Too, you also have this website called Bright, which is I guess you could say is is I guess focused toward women, I'm guessing. <laughs>
6: We like to kind of call ourselves, for people who don't know what Bright is, a conservative version of the skin. Um, Every morning, you're going to get an email from a different female editor, um, and it will give you a rundown of what's happening that day, news, pop culture, and politics. We try to have fun with it. We try to bring you some bright, lighthearted news stories mixed in with the serious stuff. We deliver content in a way that we think women like, because as conservative women, we actually acknowledge that there are differences between men and women, and maybe we like to get our news in a certain way, while men like to absorb their news in another way and that, that's okay. Um, but I think products like this are really important to engage, engaging young conservative women, not just conservative women, um, any, any women and, um, and young girls who maybe haven't fully formulated their opinions, just to at least present another perspective of how you can really stand for women, stand for female empowerment, but not buy into the very far-left ideology that we so often hear from the femi- from femi- quote-unquote feminists.
3: <laughs> so uh, how can people get I guess find out more about Bright and also about problematic women and daily alright
6: <laughs> you can sign up for Bright on getbrightemail.com it's a product of the Federalist I, I highly encourage you to sign up it's a fun product you can read my work at the Daily Signal also on the Federalist and you can tune in to problematic women on the Daily Signal's uh, Facebook page or you can also subscribe as a podcast
3: oh and also your social media if people want to get in touch with you
6: Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Kelsey J. Harkness or on Facebook, Kelsey Harkness.
3: All right, thank you so much for your time.
6: Thank you for having me. Hello, Trend Chat
2: listeners. If you like The Founding Project's Civics Education video series, Civics for All Ages, and our Educational Meme series, we think you will love our new website. Join us at thefoundingproject.com and be a part of the civics movement. The Founding Project is a five hundred one c three education nonprofit. Please join us today.
3: Yep, and thanks to Kelsey for joining us. And like I said, we got to really keep it moving. And so our next interview is with the chairman of the American Conservative Union, Matt Schlepp. And um, I, I didn't know I was going to get an interview with him like last minute, but I was, um, I was, I was asking and. While I was there, to said, All right, you know, you get a couple of minutes. I was like, Oh, cool. So I was like, All right, nah, come on. I've been, I had a couple of questions already just in the, you know, in the chance that I might get a chance to talk with them. So without further ado, here's our interview with Matt. Hello, this is Trent Chat, and we are pleased to have the chairman of the American Conservative Union, Matt Schlapp. What's How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great to be with you. So CPAC is coming down to a close, and just want to ask, what has been the best? I guess the, the best moment outside of the president's speech, because I, I know that was the top, was <laughs> the top thing.
1: I'd say the best moment still to come, and that's when Devin Nunes, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, comes out on this stage, uh, and I think it's very topical for him to talk, address this whole question about the abuse of our intelligence services uh, in the pursuit of Donald Trump's presidential uh, or campaign team during the election. I mean, the abuses that are alleged to have occurred during the election and after the election are hair-raising, and uh, he's going to talk to this audience about it.
3: Yeah, and uh, I know you mentioned um, when you were introducing the president that this was the largest crowd, um, I mean,
1: as far as the speech or overall? The largest crowd for any speaker. We took this wall here to my right, and we Moved it all back. So this was all standing room only. And I don't know what it is, 20 yards or so. So it's a big group of extra people. We're going to release the final numbers um, around the end of the conference. But we've never opened up that wall before. So, and it was full. You were here, yeah. Yeah, I was just wondering because
3: I'm like, wow, I was thinking about 2016 because this is my third CPAC. Um, my first one in 2016, then I came in um, 2017. So, yeah, it's just to to see everyone here and now to be part of media, it's just been great as far as to be a part of this and being able to, you know, talk talk to the speakers, talk to you. So, now one thing I did want to mention is that, um I noticed in some, I guess, some media outlets where I wanted to ask you, what do you say to people that have the opinion that... Um that the ACU maybe is like stifling the conference by not uh, by maybe uh, taking away credentials or or like canceling panels or some like that. And so, what do you say to those people that have that criticism?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess you're always gonna have people who criticize you year after year, but uh, we're not stifling anyone. We had over 150 speakers um, this year. Um, representing even diverse viewpoints within the conservative movement. You can't have everyone speak every year because you got to make decisions and choices. But uh, the one thing we didn't do is um, we invited the right people and those people spoke. We stand behind those decisions and we think our attendees have appreciated having those folks here and having those folks talk to us. And now... Um,
3: I know that the ACU do, does uh, ratings for Congress, and one question I want to ask, how do you, how, how do the ACU put those scores together? What is the criteria?
1: Well, we challenge each other. We have a big group that works on them, and we challenge each other about whether it's fair to pick this vote or fair to pick that vote. We talk to the people in the states. We now rate every member of Congress, every senator, and every state legislator. And we're the only one who does it all, especially on all the issues. Not just one issue, all the issues. So, uh, I have I have to admit, it can't, it's not a perfect process. It can't be perfectly objective, but we stand behind them. We think we can make the right decisions, and you can really tell who the real conservatives are and who the pretenders are.
3: Okay, and so, I guess, um, I know, I guess the ACU do, do more than just CPAC here in the, I guess, in the D.C. area. There's
1: other events as well. Um, can, can you give us, like, details of where other places that you all go to? Well, we talked about today how we went to Tokyo and had our first international CPAC. We went to Jerusalem and we went to 20 other places in America. We went to Anaheim, we went to Mesa, Arizona, we went to, uh, we went to Wichita, Kansas, you know, we were all over the country bringing CPAC to people's communities. Okay. So, um, well, that's all I have. I appreciate awesome. so much for your time. We appreciate you being here. It means a lot to us. Come back.
3: Yep, and um, thanks to Max Slap for join joining us. And yeah, you know, I look forward to coming back. Um, I definitely like I said the like I mentioned in the beginning, just had to figure out if I'm going to make it or not. So um oh you know also thanks to Matt slap but also thanks to, thanks to little john for you know coming in with with that music in the background uh i almost lost focus when i heard the song i'm like oh i don't I know if i need to stop or what but either, either way i just kept going but um speaking of i guess music we get uh, my last interview with kaya jones and i don't know if any anyone um i guess no as far as the group that she used to sing with called the pussycat dolls and you know i know um I, you know, back in the day i definitely used to watch it watch those videos but um and uh but lately she I guess you said she came out as a conservative recently and she has well she has her own album coming out which i had talked to her about as well and she also did the national anthem which we well we'll talk about in a couple of minutes when i play this interview so without further ado here is our interview with kaya Hello, this is Trend Chat, and we are pleased to have Kaya Jones with us. And she did a beautiful rendition of the national anthem yesterday at CPAC. A whole lot better than Fergie. I'm just—that's my personal opinion. Huh?
0: Oh, oh,
3: oh, yeah. Okay. See, twice. I just
7: twice. Oh, okay.
3: See, I got in a little late. I'm sorry because I was up for like 24 hours yesterday, and I kind of slept in. And I got here right before President Trump spoke, so <laughs> forgive me for that. I'm sorry.
7: Oh, no, all good, all good. But I got to do it both days. Oh, well, so do you,
3: are you doing it tomorrow?
7: No, I, I don't think so. I don't know. I don't think so. But it was for the vice president and, of course, the president. You don't say no, you say yes, and you do your best job. So.
3: All right, so now I guess one thing I wanted to mention I've, I've been hearing about your album. Yes. And tell us all about it.
7: Um, I'm just writing songs, working with a lot of different people. Out of Nashville, um, and hopefully we have I think something coming out with Jason uh, Crab yes. on his so, new record, April or the end of March. So just working on my stuff and writing with some big writers, big producers. Uh, Jada Marcus from Rascal Flatts is one of them. Uh, Billy Corrigan from Smashing Pumpkins is another. So just working with some different people.
3: Yeah. Okay, and um, so as, as far as being conservative and yeah. when you actually I guess voiced those views and made. Public. I mean, I think we all kind of. If you, well, if anybody follow you on social media, saw the reception. I mean, how how was it, especially at first, dealing with all that?
7: Um. I think you get both. You get love and hate. You know what I mean? Whenever you come out on any side of the fence of what you are or what you believe in. But for me, it was worth it. I didn't want to be false anymore and not say who I am or what I'm about. It felt like I was being hated for not being me anyway. So at least now, if the hate is there, it's genuine. You know?
3: So, well, President Trump just spoke. And so... I guess, give us your thoughts on the speech.
7: I thought it was beautiful. I thought he conveyed exactly what he said, the whole campaign trail. He's not a racist, a xenophobe, a homophobe, an Islamophobe. It isn't about that. It's about trying to figure out ways to make America great. Focus on Americans. America. And somehow that's always seen as wrong. Or it's seen as, like, hateful. It's like, well, but China's worrying about China. And Africans are worrying about Africans in Africa. Americans need to be worrying about Americans because there's genocide going on here every day and nobody's talking about it. You know, everyone wants to talk about and I loved what Dana Lash had spoken about yesterday, you know, everyone wants to talk about the seventeen kids that were gunned down. Yes, that's an issue. But you know, just last week there were 17 kids in the hood that were gunned down and no one's talking about that either. Um that, that somehow doesn't matter when we're talking about guns. It only matters when we're talking about white children in schools and that kind of stuff. Like that there's issues in this country, especially in Chicago where it's like a, it's like a war zone. It's seriously like a war zone. You,
3: you know, one question I was actually going to bring up is that, and um, in, in you're into to what happened in Parkland. Now, for you, you are a survivor of the Las yeah. Vegas shooting. Yeah. So kind of in contrast for you in comparison to, you know, all the people that want to voice for gun control. Yeah. But you were, in, you know, you were a survivor of that. So... You, I mean, I, I'm guessing you're not want to use that tragedy for no. for gun control.
7: No, I want to use. Uh, look, if people are gonna gun you down, you need to be prepared for it. I mean, that's the world we live in. We live in a world that a lot of evil exists, and someone can do hateful things and hurtful things, and what do you do? I mean, if you know that that's possible, and it's possible anytime, anywhere on this planet, don't you want to be ready for it? I mean, just because a gun-free school doesn't have guns doesn't mean someone can't walk into that school and shoot up the kids. Doesn't mean they can't walk into a mall and shoot that up, or walk into a movie theater and shoot that That doesn't stop it. It doesn't stop anything. And last I checked, criminals don't follow the law anyway. So even if we reformed all of the laws, are they going to follow them anyway? I mean, clearly they don't in Chicago. Look, again, like Chicago for me is just heartbreaking because it, it, that's a city that deserves better. It, it's a great city. I have a lot of friends that are from there. I lived there when I was recording with R. Kelly and I was signed to him. Um And it's upsetting to see the the death toll just keeps rising. And it's just kind of like, okay, well, whatever. You know, whatever. We should worry about this. It's like, well, why aren't we worrying about that, too? Why aren't we focusing on Americans? And these are Americans that are killing each other for whatever reason, whether it's gun violence or not, you know, or it's gang-related or not. It doesn't matter. This should not be happening. Where is the governor? Where is the mayor? What are they doing?
3: Yeah, and um, you know that's something I definitely want. I just wanted to touch on. Now we'll kind of bring it back to President Trump's um, speech. I know it's been over a year now, so I just want to ask ask you like, what are your thoughts as far as everything the administration has accomplished, and and what are you looking forward to uh, for this coming year?
7: Um. I think he's already starting to accomplish a lot of it. Uh, I think he's only had a year in, so hopefully he's going to start on the wall. He's going to start on the things we really want. Um, they, you know, his core voters, that why we voted for him. You know, he heard a lot of, like, lock her up, too, you know. It, we want answers for things that we don't feel we've received answers for. We want good people in, in power that aren't going to stuff their pockets and do, do things, good things, for their their state and each state has so many representatives and so many people and there are a lot of good congress that that have done great but we need to now get really good people in and the people that have been you know putting money in their pocket out and focus on rebuilding the country so more jobs for sure um more you know safety of our border making sure that we're not getting drugs coming over we're not getting bad stuff coming over what he's doing with the opioid crisis is awesome um you know i think we need to figure stuff out with uh, protecting kids in school because as we can see like you know columbine during columbine i think they had a they had a uh, ar 15 reform going on at that point um, and it didn't do anything it didn't do it didn't stop anything so that shows us that banning or getting rid of certain you know weapons don't necessarily stop the problem so we have to find ways to protect kids, protect our country better, and be more advised on how we can do that. I like the idea that he threw out about paying teachers more that want to carry Conceal. Um, That's awesome. That gives incentive to a lot of teachers that already you know, they have the skills or the knowledge or they were former military like he said and maybe it's not a huge percentage but a smaller percentage or they want to get educated in it by getting a CCW, a carry-concealed license um, and you don't know which teacher has it and it's true if someone has a gun, I don't think that these cowards will run up in there going like, oh let me gun someone down, if you know that someone could have a gun on that campus that, that scares cowards away and people that do this kind of stuff is they're cowards, because that's cowardly to do, I mean it's just, it's so sad it's so sad that this is going on constantly and it's you know what happened at route 91 we're still waiting for answers on that we have no idea why that why he did that we still don't know why and i think that's what's hard is with this situation it was clear that he he was going through mental issues and he didn't have support or like the love in his life his mother had passed there was like a lot of trauma and sadness for this child that lost his mind um for Stephen Paddock, we don't know why he chose to gun down people. He was in a relationship with a woman; it was doing good. He had had a normal life, like for what we can see. So I think those are the kind of things where it's like, is it radical behavior? Is it for the sake of it? Why? Why did this happen? And find ways that we can protect our country better. So I think we're going to see more more of that from Trump, and um, more of the promises that he kept. You know, and he's he's doing his best as he can, especially with the tax break that he's giving a lot of people. So that's good.
3: I guess, tell us everything as far as, you know, well, I guess when the album's coming out or. Don't you know, know some,
7: yet. Oh, okay. Don't know yet.
3: Okay, well, um, how can anyone get in contact with you on oh. website, social media?
7: Um, Like KayaJones.com, K A Y A Jones.com, and you'll find all my social media there or at Kaya Jones. All right, thank you
3: so much for your time.
7: Thank you so much.
3: Yep, and thanks to Kaya for joining us, and, well, that is part one, and. <laughs> You know, I'm not gonna really say. I guess I'm not gonna have much time tomorrow to even to talk as much as I did in this episode because we have a very stacked lineup for this. Um, for uh, well, music coming in? All right, producer. All right, we we really are at the end on, but um, so well, we will have Dr. Kelly Ward, Ivan Rakin, um, John Miller from. CRTV, Katrina Pearson from America First Action, Marv Allen from the Black Conservative Foundation, and Britt McHenry. So, all that will be on tomorrow's program. So, like I said, gotta get that all in. So, like I said, until well, until tomorrow, we'll chat with Jalen. <laughs> chat, chat with you later. Get it right, Brian.
0: Six eight seven zero seven zero zero.